0: Welcome, everybody, to Dead Talk Live, and it is my special honor to welcome our very special guest, all the way from England, Ross McCall. Ross, how are you doing, buddy? I'm doing great, man. I'm, I was just fascinated by your intro there. I mean, that's like, uh, it's, like its own little movie. I know, I know, and I have, uh, I got to say, I have a great team behind me. I really do. I have a great team behind me that helps me put this together. Uh We're on-
1: Hiding behind your chair. I
0: don't
1: see it. <laughs> yeah, straight in with the gags, man. Straight
0: in with it. And living in the the age that we're living in, I can assemble a team. And we do. We have a team from around the world. And that's awesome. Getting different perspectives from people all around the world. It's been truly a blessing to have all these people uh, just helping out because they believe in what we do. I want to tell you a funny story. Now, yesterday, Sunday, uh, I was sitting on the couch, I was, you know, watching some TV while I was working from my laptop, and I have seen you in a lot of stuff. I mean, it, the list is endless, right? So I'm like, let me watch something of Ross, and you know what I settled on? On your single episode of Castle. Wow. Yeah, I'm, I'm a huge Castle fan, right? And there's too. and there's this little insight thing with me and my wife my wife knows I have a crush on Stana Kotick Mm -hmm. (laughs) so so what was your experience on that single episode in Castle
1: you know it just shows you how uh I guess how small and how connected Hollywood is so Castle I remember I was out in the uh out in my uh a park outside an apartment I was staying in And uh, I was walking my dog and my manager called and they said, hey, Castle, have just come in with – they're checking your availability. So for those of you who don't know what that is, as an actor, sometimes you get to a point where people very graciously offer you work and you don't have to go read and don't have to audition or whatever. And it's usually people who either you've worked with before or they know your work or whatever. Um, And so when they call and they say they're checking your availability as an actor, you go, "Ah, this is great. And check it. if I'm available then you know we do the we do the job we like the script we go ahead we make the character but the truth is when they're checking your availability they're probably checking about 20 other people's availability if, if the truth be known so it's not as quite as exciting as as you hope it is but I do remember them calling checking avail um and that's basically saying are you are you working next week and if you're not would you come and do our show if you like the character so I said yeah yeah I'm available And it turns out that the casting director of Castle, the wonderful casting uh, director called Donna Rosenstein. And Donna uh, had cast me many years ago in Ghost Whisperer. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's how I knew her. And she always used to bring me in on stuff. So she was like a a, a great guy. So I go in um, and I was also a fan of the show. But Stana and I had met previously because – we used to – It sounds so actory and so stupid. I'm way cooler than this. But we did decide to do a play reading in somebody's house at one point, which that sounds like I did it every weekend. I did it like twice in my life in L.A. Uh, but once was with Keanu Reeves. Wow. And once was with Stana. Um, and, uh, and so I got, to, I got to know her a little bit there. So it was really lovely when, when I showed up in the makeup trailer. And you know you're walking into somebody else's home when you're guest starring. You know I've I've been a series regular on many shows, and your guest stars come in and they're only there for a week or whatnot. Um, But uh, yeah, they made me feel very welcome, and uh, we had a lot of fun. Yeah, I love Castle.
0: I'll tell you what. uh, There's there's this six degrees of separation in Hollywood. Stana, before she did Castle, appeared in 24. You. Appeared in 24 live another day. I don't even know oh, if listen, you knew that or not
1: I, I did know that but again, let's not get carried away. Every <laughs> actor in the world has been on 24.
0: I mean you know,
1: Let's 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 just call that what it is. It's like I'm, I'm sort of semi-joking. That's not true I was very honored to be a part of the show, but um, there's a show in the UK called the bill Which no longer is on but I think it still runs on cable channel somewhere, but it's the show that every British actor has been in you know big movie stars now had done the bill and uh and so that's my joke about 24 in america but no
0: i i was aware that stana had done 24 um and that was a show i had a lot of fun of. yeah yes yes i'm also a big 24 fan for here in the united states because it lasted 15 seasons your yeah. your. uh our our version of that is criminal minds I don't think I've interviewed one person who has not made at least a single appearance on criminal minds there you go I'm your first my man I'm your first <laughs> you, you are you are almost everybody's been on criminal minds all right so let's by the before we move on from castle I'm a native New yorker and yeah. I got to tell you you had that New york accent down pat that's great to hear. I take that. I take that uh, to heart. So, did you, they, do, you, do, you uh, do a lot of voice coaching when you were starting out? Not to not to completely bore you, and and some of the
1: some of the folks listening to this will probably heard me say this in interviews before. No, so I, I for whatever reason I just sort of gravitated towards American movies when I was a kid, um, and I grew up in a in a city that had a very uh, a very rural inner city vibe which meant was there were some bad crowds that you could that you could run around with mm-hmm. and i certainly <laughs> ran around with with a dicey one when i was younger um and i've always said that the the movies and uh and a pretty girl were the things that saved me and it, it was true if i if i you know if there was you know one of the young lassies came out i was more interested in talking to her when i was a kid than i was going to cause trouble with my friends but the other thing that i used to do was they had a local movie theater and um i've been you know i was working when i was a, a kid so i always had pocket change you know i always had something on me but even then i was like i you know if i could watch a movie for free i would and so i figured out a way that i could climb up the basically the, the drain pipes of this movie theater. Um, and you'd hop across one wall to another and you'd sort of shimmy up and you'd get on, onto the roof of the cinema. And there was a shed on the roof of the cinema that was open because no lunatic is ever going to go up there and nobody knew it was there until I went there. Um, and inside were these, were these uh, you know, boards that you could lay down on and there were light bulbs in the floor, which were actually the twinkly lights in the ceiling of the movie theater. Wow! And so I would wow. pull those lights out, and I would lay down, and I would watch the movie through the hole, and and so that was my cinema paradiso, uh, you know, story. But that was my love for film, and, at a really early age, and every piece of film I watched was American, um, and I sort of gravitated towards the New York actors,
0: hmm. uh,
1: just that that's who I was sort of, you know young De Niro and Pacino. It sounds so trite as for an actor to say that, but, you know, those guys in their heyday were mm. were the top level. And oh, yeah. so, you know, Goodfellas changed my life, but, you know, so did when I first started watching Taxi Driver, when I first watched, you know, uh, Serpico or The Godfather, whatever it was, I, I, I was gravitating towards those actors, you know, young Mickey Rourke, uh, and so the, the accent sort of came very easily to me. And then I ended up doing a play here in the West End, which is like the Broadway of, of, of London. Um, and it was a Neil Simon show called Lost in Yonkers. Um, and I played the lead in that for like a year. Wow. So I had this, you know, thick New York accent for a year. And everybody who knew
0: me thought I was crazy because I just sounded like I was from Yonkers yeah i did not know you were you're from scotland right originally yeah. yeah i had no idea i mean because all the stuff that i've seen you in you could not tell and i mean there are some great british there are a lot of great british actors but when yeah. they pull off that american accent there's only a handful of them that are like wow when you hear them talk in their native accent for the first time you're like. He is British or she is British, and you're one of them. You're definitely one of them. So let's move on now to one of the most successful shows that you have been on. Walk us through the journey of you booking the role on Band of Brothers. Oh, wow. Okay, so, yeah.
1: So Band of Brothers was it was one of those jobs that every actor of, of my generation went up for. So, you know, there's, um, you know, I meet people all the time and they say, yeah, I read for this role, read for this role. And, you know, there were movie stars at the time. And and obviously there's been people that were in the show that had tiny roles who have since gone on to be, you know, um, mammoths in cinema. And so uh, everybody in the UK, everybody in the US, I mean, L.A., New York, Chicago, uh, everybody in Australia, actors, actors. Had uh, had heard that Steven Spielberg and Tom Hanks were coming to town, you know. Um, Indiana Jones was probably my my first foray into the movie theater. That I think Temple of Doom was like that, and E.T. Were, yeah. were, were, I definitely went to see as a kid. So um, I always had this hunch, and I don't know why. I always had a hunch I would work with with Mr. Spielberg, and so when this came up, you know, all my all my beacons went off and went oh. This is close. This is this is close now. I can almost I can almost touch this. Um, So I heard about it. Uh, I knew they were doing a big round of casting calls. And my agent was great at the time. And really, uh, she was really careful and strategic in the fact that she didn't want to throw me in right at the beginning of all the rounds. She wanted to wait until they would whittled it down to, you know, a smaller group. So I guess, you know, the competition is less or you just have a, a very, better show. Very yeah, smart move. Yeah, really smart and brave. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that could have gone horribly wrong. Um, but she, uh, so she told me about the show, uh, told me about Stephen Ambrose's book. So the first thing I did was go buy the book. And this was 20 years ago. So this is, we all had cell phones, but there weren't, you know, computers in our hands. You would still go to the library. You know, I think everyone still had dial-up if you were lucky for hey. internet. Right? So... I went down to my local library. I just researched the paratroopers. Uh, I knew a reasonable amount about World War II, um, but very much just educationally, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, I started digging a little deeper. Uh, I just uh, was really connected to it and ready to go. I mean, I I just knew it. And and my first audition was – everybody auditioned with pretty much like two or three scenes and they were just random scenes that out of an episode that already written so they weren't trying to like I wasn't reading for guy you know I, I, I got like uh, I don't even remember who it was but there was sides um, and so the <laughs> first I, I had to go in I went to the Royal Anthemium Hotel here in Piccadilly in London mm-hmm. uh, uh, I go in and Meg Lieberman is, is um, she basically is one of the the, uh, the top folks at CBS now. Uh, and at the time was just this incredible casting director who had impeccable taste. And, uh, uh, you know, she, she had a lot of history with her. So I had to go meet her at the hotel, um, where there were 20 other guys all doing the same thing. Um, but you had to go in another room and meet Angela Terry, who was partnering with Meg you had to go through angela first if she gave you a thumbs up she then told you to hang out and then you had to go see meg that same day and i remember going in to see angela and i walked in with my american accent completely telling everybody who would listen or anybody who asked i'm very quiet when i go meet for auditions but anybody who asked where you're from i would say Yonkers. (laughs) and uh and i had this whole you know backstory and you know well, why are you in England? I moved here like four years ago. I was, you know, so I was just Forget like. Forget about it, you know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, almost. I, I, didn't, I, didn't go, I didn't go full on Goodfellas, but for sure I had the twang. Um, but as soon as I walked into Angela's room, there was an actor who was reading, whether sometimes casting directors will hire actors, good actors, to come in and read with other actors for auditions. Mm-hmm. I knew the guy, and he was American, but I knew he knew I wasn't American. So I was like, let's hope this. Guy doesn't blow my cover. And uh, and he gave me one look and he winked. And I was like, he's a good guy. He's got it. He's got a cover. Um, so I got through that round. I had to stick around. And I noticed more and more people were just sort of getting sent home. And by the end, it was just sort of me there. And I went in to see Meg. And Meg is very professional and very standoffish in, in, in a way. She's one of my dearest friends now, so I can say that. Um, but I remember reading for her. She was on the other side of the room. I finished. She then stopped. There was this awkward silence for a long time. She then picked up the chair, came and put it right in front of me, sat in front of me, and said, do that again. And, you know, I did it again. And she told me that day, she said, okay, I want you to come back next week and meet Tom Hanks. He's going to be meeting a few of you guys. And, uh, you know, it's very casual. Come in. We're going to send you a new scene and work on it. Great. So a week later… I had to go back to the same place. Uh, Tom was in the middle of his castaway shoot. So he had the long beard and he had the headband, uh, the bandana. Um, And, you know, there was maybe, I don't know, four or five people in the room. But at that point, you're just zoning in on movie star. I mean, you don't see anybody else. You're just, you know. That's Tom Hanks. It's Forrest Gump, man. You know, I'm I'm hanging out with Forrest for a second. So um, I went in. He could not have been sweeter and nicer. Put me at ease straight away. Uh, we shot the breeze. I literally walked in with a folder full of notes that I knew, I knew like meant nothing to anybody, but it was just, it was for me just, you know, I I just had all this paratrooper knowledge. Um, and I just wanted to be prepared in case anybody said, Hey, what do you know about the troopers? You know? Um, so I finished that audition and, and I'd heard like people had been through, you know, a round of seven or eight auditions and this was my second and then i got another phone call a few weeks later and it was to go back to london to meet the executive producer tony toe so it was Stephen, tom and tony were the with the three um three execs and i went and met uh, tony with meg again and i had to do a huge speech this time and i remember going in and i'd memorized it and i knew it was there but i I just went in and, you know, actors, when you audition, you sometimes sit and you have the papers in your hand. It's good. You know, if you if you're fluffing or, you know, losing your line, you can look down or whatever. But on this particular day, I decided to sit down. He looked at me and I just put the sides on the floor. And he said, "Okay, let's go. And so I did this big monologue and I I knew it worked perfect. Um, And that was it. And I got the
0: job. That is such a great story, especially that first part, that that all transpired in one day, yeah. uh, being w- windled down. Now, when you got the role, did you guys know that this was going to be a very limited one-season uh, show? Yes.
1: Yeah, we, we all knew it was a, a, originally, I think, and I, I can't remember the exact number, but I think originally it was going to be a 12. They were trying to do 12 episodes, or it might have been eight. But they ended up on 10. I, I don't remember how it happened. Um, but we knew it was, uh, you know, they were pulling from the Ambrose book. Um, we also knew the war ended, you know. So we, we knew that that would be the show. Um, and that's what we were signed up for. But it, it took a year. You know, we knew it was roughly a month, an episode. It turned out. Wow. be a little more. Um, but we also, at the time it was the most expensive TV show in history. I mean, at the time, I think they were spending about, you know, 12 to 15 million an episode and that was unheard of.
0: Wow. That that is unheard of. And a whole month just to shoot one episode. Now today, today's they're given maybe eight to nine days to spit out one episode.
1: Yeah. Uh, And that's. that's mainly network and cable. I mean I I think the big boys can can pull that, you know, when the, that amount of money's going in they say, Okay, we want to get it perfect. There's no date set, um, so they don't have to hit a schedule.
0: Yeah. Now you know when it came out and it was a huge success, did the success of Band of Brothers surprise even yourself or other members of the cast and crew on how just Successful it was, and how it was well received by everyone. I think if you, uh, you know, it, it's a debated question that's come up before, actually.
1: And I think that there are a lot of the guys that say they were completely blown over by, you know, the size of the show. Um, I've always said it didn't shock me in the slightest. I knew day one that I was getting involved in something epic. Like I knew it, I could just see the, the talent around it. It was the best of the best that they hired in all departments, you know? From from wardrobe to oh, sorry it's my dog sneezing. To yeah. the to the armorers, to the stunt guys, to you know, to the, the background folks to just the A D department, camera department, directors. I mean just everybody was just the top of the top at that point. Um, and so I I knew very early on that that we were into something special, but Above that, um, and and this goes for all the guys. We also knew that there was a legacy at stake, mm-hmm. and and I think that's what made the show so good. Was Captain Die uh, Dale Die, a very famous actor, really? But he's also you know a historian and um, a, a, a retired marine. But he's the guy that puts everyone through boot camp. You know, he, he he's the guy who trains us. Yeah. Uh, he's a military advisor, and with his help and with our um our knowledge of this legacy that we wanted to uphold there was no way we were going to screw it up
0: how uh difficult was the physical preparation for band of brothers for you did was it extensive
1: yeah yeah i mean again this is this is a joke i've said often you know you you ask sometimes if we if we're doing a panel sometimes you'll you'll say how long was boot camp and somebody will say you know 3 weeks and somebody will say it was like 8 days you know it's somewhere in the middle it was about i think it was about i don't know 12 days maybe um which seems like nothing and so we would absolutely never ever ever claim to have done a proper boot camp to anybody that's gone through a boot camp any of our any of our military guys and gals however this is a bunch of actors. Um and they put us in barracks for that um amount of time. We were just in our uh, our uniforms the entire time. There was no modern day clothing, no modern day technology. Um you got a pencil, not even a pen, you got a pencil, piece of paper, a towel that had to be army green, um or marine green, I should say. Um uh you had to, you know, sleep with your weapon, you had to learn every drill. Um, and on day one, it was a, a bunch of guys trying to play soldier and, and look the part and we all looked like a bunch of doofuses. Uh, and then cut to the end um, where we were sharp as tacks and we could march in cadence and I could strip my M1 rifle and put it back together in a matter of you know not seconds but you know a, a few awesome. minutes. yeah you know we knew how to we knew how to make maneuvers we knew how to attack a tank we knew how to defend the thing so um yeah they, they beat the snot out of us but in a great way and look we're all i was one of the youngest guys but you know we were all you know mid-20s early 30s and everybody you know smoking back then you know not not being the healthiest. Um, but we were doing, you know, five mile runs every morning, PT for two hours before chow. So before breakfast you you know, you were you were uh, going through your paces, you would have your breakfast, which was just a plate of didn't matter what it was. We were so starved at that point and you know, we were just filling up, filling up. And then you would do uh, maneuvers until the morning, but then you would have to do book work and, you know, learn how read maps and compasses and go out, and find, uh, you know, old teapots that have been left out in the middle of the woods, you know, oh. with various clues to sleeping out rough for three nights straight, uh, getting used to the cold. Get, I mean, you know, they, 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 they didn't make it easy on us. It wasn't an, uh, an actor's boot camp where we could
0: call our agents and, you know, <laughs> and complain people. about it. But it sounds like it was rough, but at the end of the day, it sounds like it was a very rewarding experience it was the greatest thing that it could ever have done for that show. That's what made that show so
1: special because it bonded the guys and it bonded us in a way that has never gone away. Yeah, it, There's a core group of us that see each other, talk to each other, if not on a daily basis on a weekly basis. Um, and then there's others that maybe perhaps we don't see that often, but when we do, I mean, you know, uh, me and Scott Grimes talk about this a lot. Scott plays Malarkey. Um, you know, we would uh, we would drink in the same in the same bar in LA um, of a summer evening, and we always used to joke because like we wouldn't call each other and go Hey, I'll be down there," but we sort of knew that at one point one of us would be there, and whoever we were with, we had to apologize because we're like, "It's over. You can hang out with us, but it's it's me and him now.
0: <laughs> it's and, war stories now. Yeah. literally war <laughs> stories." Before we move on from uh, Band of Brothers, you have been in a lot of successful TV shows uh where does band of brothers band of brothers uh what place does it have in your heart in my heart number one i mean there's there's no question uh
1: band was um a life-changing experience it it, it just to be a part of something that's so um so admired and loved but also respected um you know without doubt and listen i you're right i've so fortunate i've been involved in some beautiful projects that are great but i don't think any of those people involved in those projects would take offense to me saying bad like i think everybody knows you know
0: yeah yeah okay now let's move on you have uh an upcoming film it's your directorial debut called Mm -hmm. ire uh first question you also wrote the film right i did yeah what was it like uh, writing and directing for the first time I love talking to writers and directors because they are the ones who came up with the concept and they got to see it all the way through the filming process so what was that whole experience like with Ayer for you and that's the name of the movie that you're making your directorial debut Uh, it's listed as in post production we'll get to that in a little bit but uh Explain how it felt. What was it like? Oh, did I lose Ross? Hold on. Let me call him back. Seems like we got disconnected. Apologize guys. One second. Hey, we got you back. Hey, modern technology. Modern technology. Gotta love it. Don't even worry about it. I'm used to it. Uh, yeah. So what I was asking is, IRE, which is the movie that you wrote and directed, what was yeah. it like making, first of all, your directorial debut and actually writing and seeing a project through the writing phase, straight through the filming phase? Well,
1: um, I was lucky enough to... Uh, I've been writing for 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 many years and um and so uh i guess that honestly started early on with with projects where i was acting i would sort of uh either ad lib or or suggest various things to some of the writers i even did that on band you know i I won't say which scenes but there was you know a few scenes that we did in there that were absolutely uh, very kindly the writers allowed me to you know have a spin on it so uh I've also sold some 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 uh, pilots in the U.S. Um, to Warner's and ABC and a few of the networks. So uh, writing has been something that I've been interested in that I've had relative success in, um, even though my TV stuff hasn't been produced yet. But I I wrote a film before IRE called About Us, which um, I just wrote and started, and uh, and a uh, dear friend of mine, Stefan Schwartz, who's directed me in multiple things, Crash, White Collar, um, Luther, you know, uh, he directed it. Um, so I'd already had a hand in writing and getting it produced. Um, so Ayer came about because I've had a strange fascination with the prison structure um, for many years. And I don't know what it is, you know. Um,
0: Any country's prison structure in particular? Yeah, probably the U.S., but okay. but, but the U.K. In, in a
1: way, too. But, you know, I've, I've been like, you know, I'd be shooting a movie in Louisiana and uh, Angola State Farm was close by. And I was um, uh, putting together a pitch for a TV show based in a prison. And so I went down and I, you know, spent the day with the folks down there and had a look around. And, you know, it's it's not like I'm not being a grief tourist. It's, it's not a kick out of it. I actually find it fascinating um, that anybody would you know want to be in a place that, as, as as chaotic and as harsh and as troublesome as, as a prison can be. Yeah. Um, so I actually think it's a good deterrent uh, for people to know about prison. So that being said, I've always been a fan of prison documentaries uh, but also prison films. And you know, Shawshank's one of my favorites mm-hmm. and Pop, the, the Steve McQueen one is one of my all-time favorites. Cool Hand Luke, you know, the Paul Newman movie. Um, but I've yet to, or for me, I had yet to come across a film that really, uh, really depicted prison life. And there's been some terrific films. I mean, you know, there's some wonderful films. And, uh, and uh, I, I was watching some British films and they were great. Just wasn't what I was, you know, gearing towards. And so I thought, you know what, I'm, I'm going to see if I can box myself in a corner and see if I can write this. And my previous script about us is all about love. It's mm-hmm. about love and letting go and forgiveness and all of that. And ire is the polar opposite. Ire is about you know anger and hate and you know. Um, and so I you know there, there was sort of a, a plan in a weird way of saying okay I want to get both these films out, one which is here and one which is here. Um, and originally I was I I was gonna uh, play the role in ire, but the more I started talking to producers. Uh, it started looking likely that I could set it up in the UK and part of the financial package was if I directed it, but also if I was in it, um, I didn't want to play the lead and direct, but I also knew if I was playing the lead and somebody else directed, I would probably, you know, I'd be biting my tongue a lot because I just had the vision of what this film was. Um, and so we got an incredible cast here in London, uh, the whole film takes place within the prison cell it takes place over 12 months but the camera never leaves a cell so oh. it gives you a feeling that you are you incarcerated mm-hmm. but i also wanted to make it have a lot of real you know i wanted realistic um but i also didn't want it to become you know the prison films that we've all seen and, and the same angles that we've all seen yeah you know, cliched yeah yeah so, so so i wanted to i wanted to try something different i wanted to make it look beautiful you know when you watch it because it's already such a darkened thing on the on the script and the acting is phenomenal like all the actors are just absolutely incredible um and and to me i was like as long as we have that story there i want it to look stunning i want it to look like an old Coppola film you know from the mm-hmm. 70s wanted to have that beautiful blossom um and we did and and, and we squeezed it in literally after the first wave of COVID. Uh, we got all the guidelines in place. Because it was a contained set, we could contain mm-hmm. the crew. Um, we shot it in three weeks. But I just had like, you know, we had the gaffer from Star Wars. We had, you know, our dolly grip was, you know, I went on to do an Apple TV show right after I finished it. And he was the dolly grip on, you know, this huge Apple TV show. And he was doing the dolly on on my little independent, you know? And so we just had like an amazing crew and, uh, and I'm really, really proud of it. So it's, um, it's, uh, we're in the final stages of post this week. I've, I've just been doing the last bit of ADR with the actors. And so we should be ready. Uh, we've already, we've already got distribution, so it'll be out. It'll be out later in the year.
0: And that's what I was going to ask you, uh, next. You said it was an, ind- it, it, it's an independent film. Did you have to go through the film festival circuit to pick up, to get a distributor?
1: No, I was very lucky. Uh, on About Us, uh, we had a sales company come on very early and we only went into two festivals and we won in one of them and got competition in the other. Um, so, uh, but at that point, we'd already sold it. So uh, it was more about creating a buzz with About Us. With our, um our distribution company, were interested in something that I was going to direct, and interested in my lead actors, and they came on board script stage. They wow. came on and said, "We are in. Here's where we're at. Here's our release." And you know that that comes with um, a lovely piece of pressure, uh, but also, and I mean that in a good way, because it's sort of like, you know, they're going to get the film that I give them. You know, yeah. and they had to be on board with what my thoughts were, what my vision was, and they were. I mean, they've been they've been brilliant. You know, occasionally you have to tweak for for studios and suits, but you know, you find a, mid, a
0: middle ground and, and you make it work. That's a, uh, what did you think uh, being behind the camera directing for the first time? Was it everything you expected it to be? Yeah, I mean, I dug it. I mean, I've I've told everybody this. Look, I, I'm I'm not the actor that's been jonesing to direct
1: at all. You know, I've, I've really d- haven't had any desire to direct. I enjoy acting; I really do. That's that's my my that's my complete and utter pleasure. Um, so with the directing gig, I was like, okay, all right, and I know what I'm doing. You know, I've been around oh, sets yeah. for 30 years, so I felt confident in that. Um, I brought in a DP that I was that I've worked with as an actor before um i spoke to him at length and said look you know we're going to be prepared and we were it was all about preparation and uh you know you show up and and you you run the set appropriately and um you know i I wanted it to be collaborative but i also i also like movies to be fun i like sets be fun uh we're not curing cancer i do think entertainment has a lovely value to it you know people can switch off their lives and can be in, th- so, you know, I know we do good, um, but my days of working on a set that's a nuisance are, are long gone, you know. I want to have fun and I want people to have fun. Mm-hmm. I want people to feel for themselves and feel safe and, uh, you know, feel respected and feel hurt, So it was great because everybody everybody was on that same,
0: same what, way. What genre would you place uh, Iron in, like criminal? What What would you say it would fall it's, under? It's a criminal art house film. Okay. So,
1: so when we say art house, that's not to make everybody go snore or boring. You no, know I mean? It no. keeps you going, but it's certainly not a gangster prison film. That's not what I wanted to do. Um, We're so not going to see anybody getting shivved in the shower or anything. There's no showers. Uh, <laughs> there, 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 there is violence in the film, but again, something, something just from my own catalog, you know, um, i didn't want to do gratuitous violence so the violence is there but it's handled in a way that it still can make you wince but you know you're not seeing you know um the usual fare okay so yes there is violence in the film it's it's uh, it's very much a performance driven film um and it's heartbreaking it's 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 a re- it's it's a tough watch but a really good tough watch okay you know not putting you through two hours of pain it's an hour and a half it's 90 minutes or just over i think um but it's um it's a story that, that really unfolds and uh yeah I, I would say i would say crime art house i mean i, I guess that would be the genre okay.
0: yeah well, sure sounds very interesting i'll be definitely checking it out now you have another movie that's in post production. This one, this is a movie that you've appeared in called *Aftermath*. Now, sure. *Aftermath*, I've been looking through your entire resume. Is actually your kind of your first venture into the horror realm? Am I correct? Sort of. I did. I did a horror movie many years
1: ago. Uh, it was me, Tom Hardy, and Scary Spice. Wow. You should never watch this film. Uh, no, I take that back. It was a thriller. So I did do that horror, and then I did do, I did a film called Autopsy with Robert Pattinson. Mm-hmm. Um, the T1000. It, yeah, of course. <laughs> uh, you know, and and you know, you can work out what that movie's about. Uh, and so I have dipped my toes into horror, but yeah, horrors, horrors, just not. Um, I like thriller. And horror just, uh, it's not that I don't like to do it. I guess it just hasn't gravitated towards me. But Aftermath is, I smile because it's, it's one of my best friends. It's his movie. Uh, he's the director, Peter Winther. And he called me and said, <laughs> you'll kill me for telling you this story. Uh, he called me and he said, listen, there's this role. It's literally, it's three scenes. But, you know, they're big, long, talky scenes. Can I get you out here? It's you and Ashley Green. We need you guys to, you know, we think that you're having this love affair and it's a thing and it's got, we got to feel the chemistry and blah, blah, blah. And I said, great, sure. Um, and it was well written and it was fantastic. We go to LA, we shoot solidly for only a few days, but they were kind enough to put all my stuff together. So we boom, 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 we we bang it all out. And, uh, and then uh, he calls me one night just besides himself. And the only time I've ever been cut from any film is with one of my best friends. All not right. fully, but like the scenes that we did. He's like, he said, the problem is it looks like it looks like she's in love, and it's like you know she's got the husband, and we got to work. And I'm like, don't give me the excuses, buddy. Just you know, you have to make your time or whatever. So yes, I'm happy to be involved in it, but it's it's really not my movie. Uh-huh. Uh, but it's a terrific thriller. It's really scored well. Um, I just like making fun of him, saying, you know, 30 years in the business and I've never ended up on a cutting room floor until I do a film with one of my best friends.
0: That's right. They say never work with friends and family. Uh, going back to IHR, some of your uh, castmates from Band of Brothers are in IHR. Is that correct? That is. I, I brought in some
1: of the some of the UK boys. Uh, Robin Lang, who played Babe Heffron. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Phil Barantini, who played Skinny Sisk. Um, who else have we got? Who am I missing? I think, well, Bart Raspoli who played Tipper. So just to tell you who they all are, if you're if you on um, um, Skinny Sisk is, uh, if you remember, when Liebgart, my character, goes to uh, the mountains to kill the Commandant, it's myself, Webster and Skinny. So that's that's Phil, who's a wonderful, wonderful uh, actor, but also a real acclaimed film director right now. Um, he's just done like two movies on the Bounce. Um, which are doing great uh, Boiling Point Stephen Graham another Banner Brothers guy and um, and Villain uh, so he's doing great and Bart Ruspoly played Tipper who gets his legs blown off and leave got and ends up holding him I think in episode 3 mm-hmm. uh, so Bart's been a producer for many years so yeah the gang got back together um, we had lovely visits on set Dexter Fletcher who played Johnny Martin he came down to say hi obviously a big esteemed director himself now um so it was nice to have have the boys there, but the truth is, that's what we do. We we rely on each other because we know that they can handle it. You know, it's just like,
0: can you come? Yeah, great. Done. That's awesome that you, you know, in Band of Brothers, you made friends for life. I think that is so fantastic. Uh, when, uh, going back to Ire for a second, and Band of Brothers, uh, the great Steven Spielberg, Did you learn anything from working with Steven Spielberg and Inspiration uh, just to watch him do what he does? Well, so Steven was just our exec on band. He was supposed to
1: direct the first episode. Uh, He then got sick, so uh, they pushed that, and then he was going to do the the last episode, and for whatever reason, he didn't do the last episode. However, he was very, very uh, prominent in the casting. He was around us all at the beginning, and he would visit set often. Okay. So with Stephen comes uh, a persona. It comes, you know, a legendary status. Oh, and I've no been, around, yeah, and I've been lucky to be around him many times now. Um, so on band, I used to love it because he would come down and he would, he would always take my M1. Um, and he was always like, you know, hey Lee, play. we all called each other our character names back then, you know. So hey Lee, guy, look, I want to show you. So when I was, you know, and he would show me how he would shoot and. Then uh, he would show me how other actors on Ryan would shoot, and they were goofy, and, you know, he was just, like, a, a nice, fun guy. Um, and then he was uh, – I ended up going to do uh, – my first studio film in America was The Polo Express, mm-hmm. a motion capture film with Tom Hanks. Tom Hanks, yes. Yeah, and so Tom and I were working very closely together for about a month before they brought in any of the other cast members. And Robert Zemeckis was a director who, you know um, – um, Back in the Future, of course, Gone. Oh, yeah. I actually
0: saw the Polar Express. I took when my kids, this was several years ago now, when my kids are all teenagers now, but when, I forgot which one I took. I have three, sorry. I, they all sort of blend together after a while. I took one of them, and we saw the Polar Express at the movies, and I loved yeah.
1: Oh, it. Yeah, uh, listen, it's a great little Christmas flick. I mean, it's a little weird. You watch it now, it seems a little that waxworky, but, you know, at the time it was, you know, it was miles ahead. Yeah. Uh,
0: It it really sort of blended the lines between animation and real life. The the way Tom Hanks, his character, it it was Tom Hanks. Well, and we had no idea how it was going. Like Tom and I were just in these goofy
1: wetsuits with you know dots all over us that 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 were glowing under lights, and we had like a ring of cameras, and we had two studios, one smaller, one massive one. And, you know, every week we would say to, to Bob, uh, to Zemeckis, how's it going? And Bob was like, I don't know. I don't know. It's upstairs with the geniuses. I have no idea, you know. Um, but it was, uh, it was a magical experience. But that that brings me to, to Stephen again because he came and visit visited set one day. Um, and I remember, I'd, you know, I've, I've mentioned this story before. I remember standing there. You know, he'd come in and every time I've seen him, you know, he he actually salutes and calls me soldier, which I think is either super sweet or he just forgets my name each time. <laughs> um, but uh, uh, and, you know, we, we hug and we say hi. and um, He's always super sweet and super kind. And so he came down on set and he was laughing, you know, at me and Tom in these goofy wetsuits, you know. Uh, but there's myself, there's Tom, there's Mr. Zemeckis and there's Steven. And we're just, I don't even remember what we were talking about, but it was very chilled and relaxed and it was all very cool, very cool. And the AD then called me and said, Ross, we need to get you, uh, you had to get your dots fixed every, you know, 20 minutes back then. I'm sure it's different now. And so I had to go in and get them re-glued. Um, and as I was walking away, I was like, all right, guys, I said, like, Stephen, nice to see you. Bye. And I'll see you guys after lunch, you know. And as I'm walking away, I had a moment where I just stopped on my own and went, that's a crazy group to be standing with. I know. I mean, you know, I'm a kid from Scotland, and I'm in, you know, Cobra Studios where they did *Gone with the Wind*. Yeah. I'm there with one of my favorite directors of my favorite movie, *Forrest Gump*. I'm there with the guy who introduced me to cinema, Steven Spielberg,
0: and I'm there with Tom, who you know I I can say is a friend. Isn't, and I was. Isn't life just like? Man, wow. you never know. Yeah. Yeah, really wonderful. Yeah. It is it is wonderful. Uh, let's talk about another very successful uh, show that you've been on, White Collar. Uh, mm-hmm. Did you enjoy your role as Keller on White Collar?
1: When you asked me earlier, you know, what was my favorite job, and, you know, I immediately went to bed. Mm-hmm. Uh, that would be true. White Collar is a very close second third.
0: Okay.
1: Um, I had such a wonderful time because many reasons one one they just wrote me hell of a character mm-hmm. you know they, they wrote this guy we didn't know if it was going to go beyond a guest star which is usually just one episode we had no idea um and it just grew and grew and grew and the fan base just really gravitated towards him they really liked him so they would just write me great stuff and you know i i did like i don't know eight nine episodes over a few years i mean you know yeah. but i would pop every now and again and And Keller was the golden egg, you know, whenever they wanted to, you know, heighten the stakes, they they would bring Keller back. And so it was, I knew every script that came in was going to be just a crazy great time for me. And of course, there I am in New York City, you know, we're filming outside the Empire State Building, they're closing down traffic so that we can get our scene, you know, in the middle of a scene, you know, I'll be doing a walk and talk on the phone, you know, some random Passerby would stop me in the middle of a take and go, "Hey, my wife loves you, man." <laughs> you know, and it's like we're rolling, but I, you know, welcome to New York, you know. Yeah, but exactly, I lo- you know, love that whole energy of the city, and so uh, yeah, I had a magical time on White Collar, and and um, the cast were terrific, and we had uh, we had a beautiful time. And in fact, you know, there's probably three or four particular jobs that people know me from either for my voice or my face like i'll get you know i'll get recognized from if they just don't know that you you know sometimes it's just hey you're that guy you know um but but keller is a big fan
0: favorite yeah know? yes absolutely i would definitely agree with that is there any uh, particular episode or memorable scene in white collar that you really enjoy more than the others from white collar
1: I've got to say all of them like each episode, like I said, I just had magical times, you know from and it was funny I was, I was just I was just back in New York last month for five uh, about five weeks, um, shooting another show, and um, on my downtime, uh, <laughs> my hotel was literally a block away from uh, one of my best friends, Frank John Hughes, who played Garnier of Banner Brothers. Mm-hmm. And so uh, Frank being Frank and me being me, any, every day it was like, what are you doing? What are you doing? What are you doing? So we were hanging out as much as I could. Uh, and I had, I had a decent amount of time off so we could hang all day. And part of our, our uh, hangout day together was walking around the city. And he would show me all the old mobster hangouts in Little Italy. And um, I would show him various parts that I knew and about you know John Lennon. And you know we, we, we would tour guide each other. But we would end up going down into parts of the city, and I'd be like, oh my God, this is where I shot. This is where, you know, this is the Keller scene. Like I just walked by where where I did the running out with the bags and get shot. Um, And then uh, Water Street, which was the first episode I was in. um, But that's now all covered down by the boat, but I knew it was there because of the boat in the background. Um, uh, The Beekman Hotel, which Mm -hmm. was another episode uh i don't think season three which was derelict at that point and so i went back into the Beekman now which is like a five-star hotel oh, and you yeah. it. it's done up and it's beautiful but you go in and it's still all those you know and i was like wow i was running yeah. around getting shot
0: you know yeah. that south of houston that part of downtown manhattan has been completely like, alphabet city it's been completely redone now right. keller's death on white collar was abrupt uh did you anticipate that uh were you expecting the character to survive the show how did you react when you read that script well we knew it was the end of the, the series so yeah. it was the last episode of the series
1: yeah. so we knew the series was done so the only way that keller would ever come back is if they ever made a movie right <laughs> and and we talked about it and i remember julian was our writer at the time and jules had been on that last season and i've been hanging with him a lot and he was like listen you know, we want to go out with a bang. How'd you feel about it? And I said, I feel great about it. You know, why not? Yeah. My only thing was, as I said, let's not do the movie star death. I want it to be ugly. And I want it to be literally like my, you know, the strings being cut. You're, you're, yeah. you're a, you know, a puppet who falls. And so that's what we do. You know, if you watch it, they slow motioned it because it's TV. But, you know, when I fall down, I fall down very goofy. My legs are all crooked. So, you know, um, but no, it was a nice way to say goodbye to that that little mischievous
0: fellow <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, I loved it. I loved the uh, the way it ended and it was so abrupt and I think it was very nicely done. I wanted to ask you uh you have done several shows where you 've appeared on one episode, like uh lucifer uh mm-hmm. castle uh, and several others what 's it like as an actor? To go into a set with an established cast—that's very it's like Castle—it's very mm-hmm. successful show—and uh, just to be there for one day, how does the rest of the crew uh, receive? Uh, is there a name that they, you know, you guys give the actor that comes in to do just one yeah. role in one episode? What's that name? Well, it's called a guest star. So, so, guest
1: star is literally, uh, but usually it's very rarely a day. Usually you're there for the whole episode. Yeah. So, you're usually in, you know, seven or eight days of that eight day shoot. And usually the guest star, and I know this even just from being a serious regular, the guest stars almost get a better role in the episode. Oh, yeah. Because, like, they sort of write in, it's interesting, there's a lot of stuff, it's like this cool thing. And and I think most actors on a show, when a guest star comes in, if they're on their toes, you know, if they if they know what they're doing, it ups everybody's game. So for me, when I've been a series regular and a guest star's come in, I love it because I'm like, great, somebody's coming to play ball, you know, and all of a sudden you're, you're in it again and you get the juices flowing because when you're on a show for a long time, you know, it's not that it becomes anonymous, but there's certainly times you've, you've got to, you know, really gear yourself up to deliver, you know, um, uh, which you do because, you know, you're, we're all professionals. But uh, being a guest star, yeah, it's fun. You sort of go in. The show's not on your shoulders. So you're already on the juggernaut. The crew tend to like it. You more often than not know people on that crew. yeah, And so you're hanging out with buddies you haven't seen for a while. Um, you have fun. And as long as you're doing your, your homework and you are, you know, doing your job, uh, you have a fantastic
0: time. I love it. I love guest time. No, no. Like I said yesterday, I had a whole library to choose from. And I'm like, I want to watch that episode of Castle again. Now, uh, you've done a lot of TV. You've done film. Any particular one or the other you prefer, uh, whether it's television or film?
1: No, well, not really. I think... Um...
0: Don't know why my voice went high there. No, not really.
1: Um, <laughs> sounded like my father. Uh, no, I mean, look, I, I think TV—the hustle is on quick. You know, you got to get to it. Uh, Movies—you tend to have, unless you're doing like a low, uh, low-budget independent—you tend to have a little more time. Um, but still, you, you know, you got to hustle. Uh, my first love is film you know, if I'm going to sit, I mean, and the times have changed. I mean, there's TV shows now that are just cinematic quality. You know? oh, yeah. But for me, I, I mean, I love going to the movie theater. Um, I love sitting down and watching a movie. Yeah. Uh, you know, there are TV shows that of course i watch watched that I'm a huge fan of. But, um, you know, if, if you were to put a gun to my head and say, who are you working with? Are you going to go and, you know, do this juggernaut TV show or are you are going to go work with
0: you know, Spielberg, Zemeckis, yeah. Spielberg. It's you a know, no-brainer. Yeah. To yeah. date, would you say Band of Brothers has been the biggest budget project you've been on?
1: Uh, I'd say Band, funny enough, Polar Express was a huge yeah. budget.
0: Yeah, uh, that was going with... to be my second guess.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah, for sure. For sure. I mean, TV show-wise, yeah. Like, even even though, you know, when I was doing Crash for what do we do? Like twenty six episodes. Yeah, it was probably, you know, under under five million an episode for sure. You know, so it was still high end TV, but oh, you yeah. know, it's nowhere to the 15 that you're getting for band you know?
0: So, what are your feel? We're almost out of time, but what are your feelings? Like you just mentioned, your love of going to the movie theater. I feel the same way. COVID over the last eighteen months has seriously impacted that. Studios, distributors have been trying different, you can tell they're trying different methods to see what's going to work moving forward. Um, Mm -hmm. It's going to take some time for it to hopefully go back to the way it was where people do feel comfortable going to a movie theater and sitting right next to a stranger. Uh, What are your thoughts on that? Are you afraid of the future of the cinema, of the theater itself?
1: Uh, I'm not, I mean, I think, you know, everybody needs to take a personal responsibility. I was in Italy when COVID first started, so I was in like the heartbeat, you know, bad. I know York, York took like the second string of hammering, you know,
0: yeah.
1: uh, and I and I feel that, you know, it's, it's personal responsibility. Look, you know, I'm still smart, you know, if I'm traveling, I'm tested all the time. Um, if I'm working, I'm tested all the time. I... You know, I've sat on many a uh, airplane, and it's uncomfortable and it's annoying having a mask on, but you know, you do it. I mean, you know, I I am hoping that this will eventually pass, but to be honest, even without COVID, the movie theaters were starting to struggle. In a sense of, you know, the streaming, the everybody wants to stay at home. It's easier. Do you really want to, you know, walk and COVID
0: just sped it up.
1: Yeah. It was yeah, so I agree my with yeah. People just remember what the magic of the cinema is, and mm. to me, there's nothing like that. So, um, you know, I, I've joked about it. The movies that I would go and see two, three years ago, I was probably one of five people in a Tom Cruise movie anyway, mm. unless it was overnight night. You know what I mean? It's like I was in an empty theater most of the time. Like, yeah. I'm an actor, so in between jobs, I've, I've got days off. I can go in and, you know, in the matinee, and, and it's empty anyway. Yeah. Um, but for me, yeah, I just, I just hope people remember that, that just that magic of the lights going down, the music coming up, the the previews. You know, I love
0: the previews. <laughs> it was
1: huge. I hated it when they started doing like the commercials before the
0: previews, you know. So yeah. like,
1: you know, I could do without that, but I love getting the previews, you know. Mm-hmm. That's
0: yeah, the deal. That's awesome, Ross. This has been a fascinating hour. It just flew by. You're an amazing cool. person. Magic. It's been. Thank you. Great. It's been great talking to you. Thank you so much for coming on our show. Do you have any final thoughts you want to share with the audience before I, we say I, goodbye? You thank you so much, and you know, and and
1: uh, thank you to Marco as well, who I know yes. I had a big hand in this yes. up. Yes, Marco
0: uh, is our executive producer and my brother.
1: And your brother, I heard, I heard all about
0: you when I was in New York. Yeah, yeah. So. Which,
1: uh, I'm, I'm excited what you guys are doing, and thank you for
0: having me, pal. It was a, it was a pleasure. Absolutely. Guys, thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, until tomorrow, stay safe and always stay walking. Bye-bye.